This is the Internet Report, where we uncover what's working and what's breaking on the internet and why. Today I'm joined by Kamal, who is going to help us unpack the Akamai prolexic outage that happened last Thursday, June 16th. So welcome, Kamal. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be here with you, uncovering those interesting events on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this is Akamai's statement, and they specifically said that this was not due to a DDoS attack. It wasn't due to um, a system update per se, that it had to do with their routing table. The, uh, the limitation they had set in their routing table was inadvertently exceeded. And as a result of that, that disrupted their service. And we saw some very interesting things from a routing standpoint, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but at a high level, looking at the immediate impact of the outage, we can see that at 420 uh, UTC, so you can see here, um, there was a really dramatic spike in the number of interfaces that were terminating traffic across the internet. And this impacted service providers like Level 3 and NTT and Tata. And the reason for this was not that these service providers were, um, you know, had an outage uh, sort of in their network per se. It was really that Prolexic effectively dropped off the internet at 420 UTC. And because of that, their peers, and they peer with a lot of major transit providers, weren't able to reach them. And so the traffic was effectively just getting dropped. Um, and so we're registering that, you know, here we can see that, you know, it was a really dramatic spike. Now, what's also interesting is that it didn't last very long. We see this, this um, really significant increase. And then there's a little bit of, of traffic loss um, after that point. But the, the biggest impact was just even within those first five to 10 minutes of the incident. Um, so we'll kind of take a look at, at why that is. Um, we look, for example, at how it impacted this major bank in the US um, and their specific site. We can see that, you know, they had, um, an, uh, you know, they started to drop off in availability around 420. They were sort of um, most impacted by it a couple minutes later, you know, we can see that their site is just simply unreachable from around the globe. And then we see availability return just four minutes after the incident. So it's an example of uh, one of Prolexic's customers who had a really um, kind of immediate uh, uh, return to normal service. And one of the things that Prolexic mentioned is that they had some of their customers, they were, you know, they had automated backup and they failed over really quickly and others, it took them a little bit longer and they had to implement manual processes. Um, so, you know, we can see here that the outage was due to really significant traffic loss. I think that's potentially the most interesting aspect of this complete event, how certain companies had the procedure to react quite quickly to these changes and how certain companies actually took very extended period of time to recover from it. Right, right. Yeah, before we drop down into the routing view, I mean, we could just see here when they recovered service, the service provider they're connected to, in this case, we see level three, whereas previously it was um, Prolexic that was front-ending the service, sort of the, the, the provider that they were connected to and all traffic sort of would flow through them to get to, to this um, banking uh, data center, web banking sites data center. 
Um, so now they're now they're connecting through different service providers. And we can see here at a BGPB level how during normal uh, periods they were, you know, all traffic was going through Prolexic here. Exactly, and which means that uh, obviously due to how internet works, uh, only best route, uh, uh, best prefixes gets installed, like like the best one, right? Even though we can have uh, multiple different prefixes within the routing table, only the best one is selected, and that uh, criteria is determined by a best path selection algorithm. And here we can clearly see everything working fine. And in next iteration of this particular event, we can see that there's a significant spike in path changes. Uh, right. As a result of which we can see quite big reconvergence on, of, on, on the internet. Yeah, I, I think that the, before we go to that uh, view, we can we can also see here that Prolexic is, there, there isn't really, for this particular slash 24, there isn't a, an alternate uh, path that doesn't include Prolexic. So Prolexic is kind of, you know, they're always gonna be in the path. Now, there could be differences, as you said, in terms of the optimal paths, um, a shorter path, for example. And let's select any of the uh, collectors on the left-hand side, and let's see the path changes. So here we can see Palo Alto uh, collector reacting to this event. So initial path takes from 10837, goes to the prolaxic uh, before finally reaching 36351. And then the next iteration, uh, we see that 6461 and 2914 NTT is getting into play at approximately um, eight seconds apart, which is quite interesting, right? So we see basically internet reconverging quite quickly. So uh, shorter, shortest past, uh, path, uh, S path disappears, then the next back best kicks in, then the next best kicks in until we see uh, at 423.44 UTC route being completely withdrawn. So this is a quite good uh, representation on how quickly internet uh, can reconverge. Right, right. So all of these paths were effectively available and they were sort of, you know, calculated and in, in the routing tables of these service providers. And as this incident took place at 420 and they weren't able to reach Prolexic via the original path, they started taking these alternate paths and trying them. And because they weren't working, they just would keep going to the next one and eventually you know, it was determined that they just weren't able to reach them through any of these paths. And so there was a withdrawal um, of the path, you know, so they were no longer advertising it out to their peers. So and yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. When the withdrawal happens finally, right? This is where um, it's quite interesting to see how different companies reacted differently based on the internal policies that cover uh, exactly these scenarios. Right, right. So if we go to, you know, after this cycling through these different paths in this next view here, we see that for this slash 24, there is no path. Um, you know, this is, you know, effectively, it's an unreachable uh, prefix, if you will. Um, and we can see that it, it's simply, you know, if we go further forward, um, that just continues to be the case. So very interesting and, and um, we can talk about what they would that what they were actually doing here in terms of the slash twenty four um, being advertised under a summary prefix, um, so a slash nineteen. 
Yes. Uh, so um, basically what happens here is that there are a couple of different strategies uh, towards which the customers could uh, focus on uh, to resolve this issue. Uh, first of all, um, basically, if the customer is advertising slash 24, and it's the only prefix that they are advertising towards the internet, then uh, alternatively, what they could have done is to um, do some traffic engineering and advertise the prefix uh, uh, towards a different ISP or transit provider. So that's the first thing to do. However, uh, doing any traffic engineering takes time, right? So um, alternatively, um, what they could have done if this was the only prefix that they were advertising is to um, have the alternative ISP already in, in place, so to say. So what would you do in case of uh, ingress traffic uh, if you have uh, two uh, ISPs? Let's say ISP A and ISP B, right? You would uh, advertise ASP A, which is a preferred one, normal, uh, normally, and then you would uh, prepend your three times or six times uh, uh, your prefix when you are advertising it towards the uh, ISP B. And that would ensure that your ingress traffic is taking always the uh, path to A because this uh, BGP works in a way uh, as part of which it takes the shortest uh, S path always, right? So that's the ingress path. Um, uh, there's a, a significant challenge when it comes to egress there, right? This is just half of the picture that, that we just covered. The second thing is to um, have the policy and probably most of the companies do have the policy to uh, avoid asynchronous traffic, right? So if you have the ingress coming over the preferred ISPA, you likely would have uh, egress going over that same path, right? So what, you would, what would you do potentially is that you would have uh, issue again as part of which now, even though, uh, this particular prefix that was going through the uh, provider A in this particular case, that's prolexic, uh, went off air, uh, disappears from the internet, you would still have a prepended prefix. However, your e egress policy would potentially still point towards the Akamai or prolexic, and you would still have a loss. So uh, there are examples as part of which we can see that even though the traffic is now taking a different path, uh, uh, or taking different ASNs uh, towards the uh, target, uh, the loss is still present, right? And that's likely because the egress traffic was still going to the Akamai itself. So in order to avoid that, I think that uh, the fastest way uh, to deal with this kind of situations is just to shut down the peering, right? Now, that would take basically down uh, advertisement from the Akamai, which was already off, Anyways, and then it would uh, ensure that uh, whatever your egress policy is indicating uh, turns towards the alternative ISPs uh, to send that traffic potentially replies for the incoming traffic uh, or the alternative ISP. So that's the first. Uh, and that's, that's really only if the, the only you know prefix available to you is a slash 24. But if you're a very large company and you maybe have you know, the option to have a summary prefix, um, then, you know, you can, you can use a different method. Exactly. So, uh, and that's very commonly done exactly to avoid this uh, situation. So you could have a summary or aggregate prefix advertised to, uh, uh, to different uh, ISPs. So when you are more, more specifics goes offline, right? Uh, 
you could potentially take the summary prefix uh, uh, to reach the particular ASN that you wanted to reach in the first place, right? So um, what would have happened in this particular case if the companies were advertising summaries? Uh, we saw in, within the 15 minutes time span that uh, our platform shows as of right now, we saw that uh, basically inter internet was reconverging through different uh, ASNs trying to find the uh, active path. And once that was not available any longer, basically the prefix was withdrawn. However, if you were to advertise a uh, summary prefix, uh, what we would show is uh, traffic uh, ingressing over that particular uh, summary prefix, right? right. Now, there are some challenges with that. Like there are challenges in general, like with how you do your routing policies. But the, the problem here is that let's say that you have slash 22 as a summary prefix, and then you are advertising uh, more specific, more specific uh, for slash 24s throughout the different pops or all around the globe, right? Uh, what would have happened if you were to advertise those uh, slash 24s and summaries, right? Uh, where would, would you would you advertise summaries? Well, the best potentially the best approach would be to advertise summary as an anicast, and then you would leave it to the internet reconvergence to identify uh, based on different criteria of how well appeared your uh, pops are on how to route the uh, uh, how to route the traffic towards the pop through the summary, and then from the summary to the origin data center. Obviously, that's something that you would need to think of as well. So this large bank that recovered very quickly within just a few minutes, they had the slash 24s that were being advertised with Prolexic. They were bundled in, under a slash 19. And when the slash 24 and Prolexic, um, you know, all the paths were exhausted and, you know, that convergence occurred and then that path was basically withdrawn, then everything would just automatically flow over to that slash 19. And so they had a really kind of quick recovery mechanism in place as a result of that. And to your point, the advertising a slash 19 and any casting that is maybe less precise than advertising a slash 24 across different pops, but it's better than nothing. You're at least your service is reachable and you, you know, um, can recover very quickly. Exactly. And uh, at the start of this talk, we actually spoke about how different customers reacted potentially based on their policy differently to this event, right? Some of them resold the event within three minutes, some within an hour, and some within 60 minutes or 90 minutes, right? And um, when it comes to that approach of what do you do in, in these situations, right? It's uh, something that needs to be carefully verified, investigated ahead of time. So when these scenarios happens, you have like playbook, so to say, or if not the playbook, even better, you have automation to resolve this problem. So, so when I said that the potentially the best solution for the customers that had alternative routing or alternating BGP policies into place, such as advertising uh, with the prepens or advertising, um, advertising uh, summary prefix. Uh, when I said that the best approach to do was to shut down uh, peering sessions with uh, Prolexic in this particular case. Uh, it is because of the fact that you have uh, zero uh, maintenance time, so to say, right? There was a clear spike in packet loss. 
and you could do something like IPSLA or equivalent technologies in other vendors to detect this. And you would base on that either shutdown or reroute traffic. Now, rerouting traffic based on the uh, traffic engineering takes some planning, right? You need to go into the planning mode. You need to know exactly what you, uh, you need to know what you exactly need to do, not to cause bigger problem that you currently have, right? Be because you can affect other prefixes that are not advertised over the problematic ISP, right? So, um, when it comes to shutting down the prefix in this particular way, where you have the uh, alternative routing policy into place when, uh, for these kinds of situations, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that it's the fastest way. Obviously, um, if there was a production traffic and this was a graceful event, I would drain the traffic first, right? Like we would increase I-spot to something that's quite bigger than the alternative path, or we would shorten I-spot on the other link and manipulate um, local preferences on these uh, alternative ISPs so that traffic uh, gracefully goes alternatively. But like you are already dealing with quite sudden, quite large spike of loss. And in order to remediate this, it's like it's likely the best way to just shut down the problematic peering so that the reconvergence both within your network, within your ASN and externally on the internet happens faster. But right. as I said, you need to have the policy already into play to do that, right? Yeah. So, so where we saw the prolonged events was where the policy didn't exist. Right uh, now, we are obviously speculating here, but like nobody likes extended period of time of loss. Right, and this and in this particular example, we see that this uh, bank, you know, also a bank uh, that was a customer of Prolexic, was impacted for approximately ninety minutes. Right, so this is an indication there clearly wasn't any kind of automated failover in place. Um, and to your point, traffic engineering, you know, that that takes time. Right. So initially we see, um, you know, traffic loss here. This is, you know, can't even establish a connection because DNS isn't even available at this point. Um, and then we see, you know, they start to, to have a switchover from Prolexic to, in this case, their provider. Um, we see actually, I believe we have Telstra in here. So there's Telstra. Right. So no longer going to Prolexic. But I think it's even more interesting at the BGP layer to kind of see what they were able to do here because we see that same issue where there's, you know, this kind of, um, you know, we see different paths um, getting uh, installed. And then finally we see a withdrawal. And during this whole period, there's no path to their service and, and, then I'm, and I'm quite sure that all of these people that are responsible for these routing policies uh, or are heading these departments would like to have the discussion and engineering discussions about how to do this uh, rather than have a compliance uh, discussions with regulators that they are going about to have, unfortunately, for these kinds of events, right? Because once something such as financial service goes offline for extended period of time, I'm pretty sure that uh, regulators are uh, keeping a wide uh, eyes open and looking at these events, seeing why and what could have you done to prevent this in the first place. Right. And what is what's sort of the cost benefit analysis in terms of having a secondary, you know, service kind of already available versus, you know, being offline for this extended period of time. 
So we can see here when the path is kind of turned back on, it goes um, from level three to Telstra and they're using them versus before the incident when they're, everything is going through Prolexic. In, in general, like this is one of those uh, issues where there was a graceful failure, right? Uh, last year we saw a uh, event as part of which uh, one of the tier one providers uh, failed in non-graceful way as part of which they were black holding traffic. Right. Uh, dealing with those kinds of issues is much harder than this, right? Here, a graceful failure meant that Akamai, even though uh, was receiving these prefixes, it stopped advertising them to the rest of the internet, which allowed for certain workarounds. Now, it's completely something that companies that were advertising these prefixes to Akamai had control over, right? You need to have a backup plan here. And the backup plan uh, and assuming that you have alternative ISP and be, being multi-homed, I guess, right? Uh, because you are uh, taking this particular service for DDoS scrubbing services, not for the transit itself, I, I assume, right? You would have a BGP policy in place, uh, which I already mentioned, you could potentially advertise summary if you have it, right? And then once this happens, you just shut down shut down the more, uh, advertisement of more specific, specific one, or you right. go the alternative way uh, as part of which you already advertise the prefix um, in a way that makes it uh, less desirable uh, to route uh, from the internet towards your ASN, right? So you have the longer eye spot uh, uh, to reach that prefix over the alternative prefix, uh, or, or over the alternative ISP, or what you end up doing is like uh, for degress traffic, you have the uh, local prefix manipulated. Obviously, right. there is no something that can, uh, well, uh, there are methods, IPSLAs, there are alternative vendors have uh, other uh, means of doing this. But in general, like uh, potentially the best way to resolve these kinds of issues with a very small amount of automation or with the quick playbooks for the operations team that can be quite easily followed based on the alerts that are raised for, uh, right. for these. Yeah, and, and I, I think that brings up a good point. You mentioned the um, CenturyLink outage last year. I mean, this is, if this something like this were to happen, this at least wasn't the worst case scenario because the worst case scenario would have been that Prolexic went down, but they continue to advertise routes to their customers' services, which would have made any mitigation by their customers like extremely difficult, if not impossible, but because they were no longer advertising and those routes were eventually withdrawn, that at least gave their customers the ability to either fall back to their automated, you know, or, or whatever mechanism they had in an automated way or in a manual way. Obviously the customers who were least impacted were ones that clearly had, had some plans in place um, and, you know, were equipped to deal with, with uh, an issue like this versus others where it seemed like they were eventually able to recover. They weren't impacted for you know more than four hours, like prolexic outage, but you know they they could potentially have um, done this in a quicker way and maybe something that should be explored in the future. Um, so, really interesting um, incident. Again, you know it could have been a lot worse than it was, um, but you know it's uh, it's definitely you know illustrates kind of the need to have. You know, these backup plans in place and uh, you know and to, to know that they're they're available and they're working um, because 
these type of incidents can happen to anyone. It can happen to cloud providers, it can happen to DDoS providers, CDM providers. We've seen this recently with Fastly and others. Um, no one's really immune to these types of incidents. Exactly, and it's like these things are going to continue happening, right? Like the companies are going to have problems, whether they are uh, cloud providers, CDM providers, doesn't DDoS scrubbing providers, it really doesn't matter. These things are going to uh, continue to happen. Uh, what's really important is to have visibility into what happened. The second thing is to have clear uh, alerting on based on what happened. You know, you need to have a way to distinguish what's noise and what's real uh, alert. And then the third thing is to have this strategy, whether it's a manual or automatic one, to shorten the impact time to minimum possible time that you can, right? Because ultimately, as I said, these uh, these events such as this one are events where something could have been done. And I'm pretty sure that regulators, uh, especially for the financial institutions that are watching this uh, or that experience this are not gonna be uh, keen on like getting light on for some for this. Right, absolutely. So really, really important lessons to take away from this incident. So uh, that's all we have time for uh, on the show this week. Thanks Kamal for joining us. And Thank you very much. You know, we encourage you, if you aren't already subscribed, to subscribe to the podcast. We're on all the major platforms as well as YouTube. And if you do subscribe, you can get a free t-shirt from us. And so drop us an email at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. Let us know you subscribed. Send us your t-shirt size and your physical address, and we'll get that right over to you. So until next time.